0: Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd
1: Welcome to The Voice of the Shepherd I'm Dina Marie, your host, and with me in studio is Archbishop Alexander Sample. And in today's program, we are gonna focus on the beautiful gift of vocations, particularly vocations to the priesthood in this Archdiocese Mm -hmm. of Portland and Oregon. And as we begin, Archbishop, please lead us in prayer.
2: Certainly, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Mm -hmm. Heavenly Father, we give you praise and thanks for all of your wondrous gifts. We thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus, who is the source of our life and salvation. We thank you for the gift, Father, of those men you call to minister and serve in the very person of your Son, Jesus, as they care for your holy people. Lord, we ask you to bring many, many more to respond generously to your call to serve. We ask you to bless our seminarians, especially our new men, as they begin their preparations and formation. We ask you to bless all of your people and our listeners to this broadcast And may you somehow work through us to inspire many to come to follow you either in marriage or religious life, but in a very special way, you call those men to respond to the priesthood and may their hearts be moved. By hearing us today All these things we ask Through the same Christ our Lord Amen Holy Mary our hope Seat of wisdom Mother of priests
1: Pray for us
2: St. Joseph The terror of demons Pray for us In the name of the Father And of the Son And of the Holy Spirit Amen
1: Amen Well Archbishop As I look at the calendar We begin And we'll air this On the Feast of St. Matthew And I think about One of those early apostles Right And he was a tax collector
2: Exactly And yet
1: he was called To follow the Lord Jesus Christ So many different backgrounds men who are being called to the priesthood will come from to follow the Lord completely. And so I know this upcoming weekend at St. Mary's Cathedral, there'll be a beautiful mass to really kick off mm-hmm. uh, a campaign for us, I think, as the laity. If we want more priests, we need to do our part to pray exactly. and to support, but particularly to financially support yeah, our priests. It's, it's an important time.
2: Yeah, you know, it. it uh, I don't think people realize just how expensive it is to educate a, a man for the priesthood and to prepare him for the priesthood. And quite honestly, you know, the resources that we have in the archdiocese are very limited. The... Uh, last couple of years, and especially with the effects of, of the pandemic, you know, our Archbishop's Catholic Appeal, which used to be the primary, you know, source of funding for our, our formation and, and education for seminarians, you know, we've been you know doing okay, but not nearly as well as we used to do. And so we started uh, a few years back this new uh, collection for uh, the Archdiocese, the annual seminarian appeal. This is an appeal directly to the people of God so people know exactly what we're mm-hmm. focusing this money on. I, and I realize that at times with the ACA, the Archbishop's Catholic Appeal, it goes into so many different buckets. You know, people sometimes get confused and don't quite understand, you know, what is what is this money being raised for? Although, folks, please hear me out there. I, I need it very desperately to to evangelize this local a church in Western Oregon. But when we designate a an appeal, a right. collection, an appeal directly for seminary information, everybody understands exactly what this is about and have gotten behind it tremendously because it costs mm-hmm. us in the neighborhood of million a million dollars a year to educate right. these. Now, we have 29 mm-hmm. new men, or not new men, we have 29 seminarians going into this fall, eight new men this yeah. year. But that's, that's a great blessing. And I mean, we're just so excited by having this many seminarians. And all but two of these men are local. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of them come from outside the state of Oregon, from California. But all the other 27 men we have in the seminary are, are local men, men that have been raised up right here in our local yeah. church, which is a great blessing, and from different ethnic and cultural right. communities within the Archdiocese, too, which is a tremendous blessing. So we're blessed and we're excited and we're so thrilled to, to start off this year again with this, such a great group of young men who are generously offering their lives to the Lord. But that great blessing and joy comes with a challenge, mm-hmm. and that is, okay, now I have to pay to educate these men and form them for the priesthood. So we started this appeal, and we're able to raise now – just about what it costs uh, yeah. to educate. We just had a final, we were, so we're, we're kicking off the new uh, appeal this right. year as we wrap up last year's appeal. And we had a very generous gift that came in right at the end of, of this last uh, appeal, which is ending right about now, and put us right over the million mark. Yeah. So we raised a million dollars. That, my dear friends out there listening, think of that. You.
1: Mm-hmm. The
2: good people of this archdiocese, because of your love for the priesthood, your uh, desire to show your love and support for these young men, who and some not so young, who have really set everything else aside to give themselves to this discernment and formation to be priests of the future, because of that, you have gotten behind these men. And I, I can tell you, our seminarians, they absolutely... Mm-hmm rejoice in the support, the love, the prayers that the people of God in Western Oregon have shown to them as they step up and and begin their formation and continue their formation. And those that complete that formation and get ordained, all of the prayers and love and support is, is very much appreciated. But when they can see in a very tangible way, not that the other Aren't, aren't tangible but when they see that appeal and they see the support the mm-hmm. tremendous support that the people of god give they they take that as a sign of support and love for them that means a lot to them so it's it's a it's a great blessing that uh we have these men and it's a great blessing that we as a local church appreciate these men and show that in our in our financial support to, to help them become priests because these i and i say this always to people You know, when you're making that pledge to the campaign or you're making that gift to the appeal for the seminarians, you're investing Mm -hmm. in those men and most likely one of those twenty nine men someday Mm -hmm. is either gonna be your pastor or a parochial vicar perhaps in your parish. You might be helping fund the formation and the education of your future pastor and or the past future pastor of your children or grandchildren and that can't happen without without you.
1: It's so important, and I just am so looking forward to this year, again, Archbishop, of seeing these men in the formation. But as a person in the pew, as one of those laity, Mm -hmm. I know it is my responsibility. If I want to see more priests, I need to do my part, Mm -hmm. and definitely prayer. But I think that financial support for all of us, Uh, when I became Catholic, it was—it it reminded me, this is my church right. and I have a part to play right. and all of us do.
2: Right, you know, in, in, in the in a lot of the Protestant traditions, you know, they don't have the same mm-hmm. you know, they don't have the same kind of system that we have in the Catholic Church where, you know, a, a man, you know, puts himself forward for a diocesan and speaking of diocesan priesthood now, not religious orders, but puts himself forward for a diocesan church, he's committing himself uh, to this local church, yes. to be in this local church, this geographical church, for the rest of his life. You know, and God can certainly do other things. I was supposed to be a priest of the Diocese of Marquette <laughs> in Michigan for the rest of my life, and, and here I am, the Archbishop of Portland, so God can have many twists and surprises for us. But But the idea is these men are stepping forward, and they are proposing themselves, so to mm-hmm. speak, to become future shepherds and spouses of this local church. So in other words, they're committing themselves us. these priests generally don't, you know, go from one geographical area to another, you know, depending on where they would like to serve. No, these men are, these men are saying, I want to serve here in Western Oregon for the rest of my life as a priest. And I'm willing to commit to that. Just like a man mm-hmm. commits himself to his spouse, his wife for, for life or, or or a wife does the same for her husband that's what these men are doing they're saying in a certain sense i want to marry (laughs) as as a as a spiritual spouse who ministers in the person of christ the the bridegroom i want to marry this local church and i want to be a part of this local church so they're committing themselves to us as a people of god in this local area and and that deserves our our appreciation and our love and support
1: Absolutely. And I think just for our listeners to understand the diocesan priesthood, because that's something I had to learn about. There's Not a sure. difference between the diocesan priesthood, then let's say the Benedictine community that are serving at Mount Angelus. I mean, Mount Angel Abbey, that there is a difference and that we have a particular, I don't know if I want to say ownership, but they serve mm-hmm. a particular area, a diocese or an archdiocese. So maybe give us a little clarity of the diocesan priesthood. Right. You
2: know, and I think that uh, because there there are, you know, there are two different kinds of, of priests, if you will. There are priests who are, as we said, diocesan priests uh, they're sometimes called secular clergy, right. uh, but that doesn't mean, you know, secular in the sense that the world means secular. Mm-hmm. But secular as opposed to religious order priests. So we have our diocesan priests, but then there are also religious order priests or or priests who live out various forms of consecrated life as religious, and many different kinds. Mm-hmm. So just as an example, here in our own archdiocese, we have of course the Benedictines, and they're a, a grand a part of the history of this archdiocese at Mount Angel Abbey, they are a religious order, a monastic community of monks. So part of their charism is to live in community within a monastery, even as they carry out other works of, of the apostolate. Their primary apostolate, of course, is the seminary. But they live in community. They, 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 the, the Benedictines have the sense of stability, where they, they live in the same monastic community for the rest of their life as living out a rule, the rule of St. Benedict, uh, living a life of community and prayer together in communal prayer, praying of the liturgy of the hours. So it's it's that monastic rhythm, uh, ora et labora, St. Benedict, you know, to pray and to work. Then there are other other religious uh, who live even more strict uh, kinds of cloistered life, like the Trappist monks in Lafayette at Our Lady of Guadalupe Abbey. They are a, a more of a cloistered community. They live in more of a seclusion, just they they dedicate themselves to a life of prayer and deep prayer. Uh, and uh, they, they don't engage so much in an apostolate outside uh, the abbey itself, the uh, the monastery there. And then, you know, or there are more active religious communities that live also in community, like the Dominicans, who care for uh, our Holy Rosary Parish here, but who also have the Newman Center uh, down at uh, St. Thomas More, down in Eugene. So they're a, they're a religious order community, uh, and they live in community, but they they also have a very much of a sense of an active apostolate, engaging with people and, and you know, pastorally ca- caring for people in their parishes. So we're familiar with all those different kinds of religious orders, you know, Franciscans, uh, the Benedictines, the Dominicans. the And then we have a lot of our international priests actually serving here who are members of religious communities, consecrated life. We have the St. John Society, uh, okay. you know, serving here. And there are even some very interesting forms of, of priestly... Life and religious consecrated life, and one of those would be the life of a hermit. Mm-hmm. Uh, my one of my professors, actually, and spiritual director when I was going to college and preparing for a seminary and discerning, and, and he was my sp- spiritual director for a brief year, is now living as a, as a hermit in Minnesota. You know, there's all those different forms, but they belong to a religious community. They belong to a religious tradition, a common rule, a common charism, a spirituality. You know, the spirituality of the Carmelites, for example, is very different from the spirituality of the Dominicans or, or you know, the Franciscans. They have all their charism, usually tied to their founder. Mm-hmm. But it's community living. Diocesan priesthood right. is a commitment to, as I was saying earlier, a local church. Mm-hmm. It's you're not in religious life you're not part of a religious community following a common rule and a, and a way of life in communal living like religious do you're becoming a priest in service of a local church uh, uh, the people of god within a geographical area for us western oregon everything west of the cascades and it's 120 uh, you know four parishes and 22 missions that's that's who you're committing yourself to and you're not you're not taking those solemn uh, evangelical counsels, the, the solemn vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience that religious do to remind us of the kingdom of God. We do promise obedience to our bishop and to his successors, and we do live a life of chastity, celibate chastity, so that, that's certainly a part of our life. It's a promise that we make, but it's not a solemn vow in the same way. It's, it, it doesn't have the, the weight, if you will, or the gravity of the solemn profession of the evangelical councils. We promise celibacy. uh, We promise uh, respect and obedience, but but not in the solemn, consecrated way that religious do. And we're supposed to live a life of, of simplicity, but not poverty. Diocesan priest can own his own property and care for his own financial affairs, so he doesn't take about poverty in the sense that, you know, anything a religious earns goes to the community for the support of the community, whereas whatever... Uh, income a, a secular priest or a diocesan priest receives is his own, and, and he's to provide you know for himself. So it's but it's it's the 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 main really idea of the diocesan priesthood, as I said, is I want to serve Jesus Christ as his priest. I want to minister in his person, caring for these people mm-hmm. in this part of the vineyard of the Lord. I'm committing myself basically to parochial ministry. I tell I tell uh, you know our seminarians. Um, that if you are discerning a a diocesan priesthood, if you're discerning to becoming a diocesan priest, what you have to have in your mind is I am most likely to be a parish priest Mm -hmm. for the rest of my life, serving here in this area. Maybe, of course, starting out as a parochial vicar, an assistant priest, but eventually working my way into becoming a pastor, we hope. And then I might have to serve in various parishes during my Mm -hmm. years of active priestly ministry. But I'm, that's mainly what I'm, I'm becoming a diocesan priest for—to yeah. become a pastor of souls in a parish community, to lead a parish community, to be a shepherd and a spiritual father to a religious to a, a parish community here. Whereas religious can be in all sorts of different ministries. Mm-hmm. They can do parochial ministry, parish ministry, but they can teach. They can, uh, you know, do a, a, a monastic life. They can do hospital work. They can they can have special apostolates. And so there's, you know, there's more of a, a sense of you're committing yourself to whatever this religious community does. Whereas in diocesan priesthood. This is about being a pastor, mm-hmm. It's being about a shepherd of souls. now other things can happen, sure you know you, you know we have priests that serve in special ministries, like teaching in a seminary or being the vocation director or being the vicar for clergy or working in the marriage tribunal or doing chaplaincy work uh, in, in different institutions so you a diocesan priests can get into other forms of 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 ministry, but in in that march toward ordination, what he has to have in his mind and heart is. Uh, a love for the people of God and a desire to serve them in the parishes of this archdiocese to be their spiritual fathers and shepherds. Mm.
1: As you describe that archbishop, you know who immediately comes to my mind is St. John Vianney. I just thought, you know, isn't he, and wasn't that year for the priest, that was a special year for us to recognize and to have this patronal saint for all priests. But, The priests bring us the sacraments. The priests teach. They are the shepherds of souls. And I think so was the example of St. John Vianney. Yeah,
2: St. John Vianney uh, is, 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 uh, I mean, it's a a patron all priests can take. But St. John Vianney is particularly the patron saint of parish priests of priests who work in parishes. He is their patron, because mm-hmm. that's what he did. Right. In a little tiny town of ours, <laughs> this sort of uh, uh, place that was way off the, off the grid, so to speak, but also way off living the gospel. Mm-hmm. When he, what he walked into in ours was a mess. Mm-hmm. You know, the people who really had abandoned much of the practice of the faith. And he was this simple little priest who barely passed his academics. He was terrible in Latin. And, and of course, in those days, you had to know Latin. And, and he really struggled with that. And he was, you know, somewhat looked down upon and, and I would say ridiculed a little bit. And, you know, some didn't think he should have been ordained and, you know, all of this. And of course, he gets ordained. He gets sent to this little tiny town to be the pastor there. And he realizes what a great task he has before, the, before him to, to bring these people around. And so he began praying for them and sacrificing for them. And, of course, he's most famous for the long, long hours he would spend in the confessional. Mm -hmm. And he gained a great reputation for being a tremendous confessor and someone who could actually read souls. So people would travel from far distances to come just to go to confession to him, and his confession lines were long. But here (laughs) in this little tiny town of ours, you know, he's not pastor of a grand mm-hmm. parish church somewhere in a metropolitan area that's famous and big and where he can have notoriety. He's just a simple little tiny country town priest and yet he rises to the heights of sanctity and it, it becomes that image and patron for, for, for parish priests. You know, and I tell the priest you know, it, isn't, you know, it doesn't matter how small the place is,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you can always be very busy In your work as a priest. In fact, my first pastoral assignment as a pastor was in a rural community. I had three small parishes, but in a rural community, and I had a lot more time on my hands than if I, you know, in a big urban parish with lots of activity and lots of people. But it gave me the opportunity to get to know those people much better and get closer to them and their families and invest myself in that. I prefer that much more, quite honestly, to the to the. Large mega parish with lots of activity, lots of people, lots of programs. My personal pastor's heart would, was was much happier, and and even I was a pastor of a parish for nine and a half years before I became a bishop in in the city of Marquette. Even as I was working full time in the pastoral center, I was the parish priest in in a small little parish, the smallest parish within the city of Marquette. We only had about two hundred and oh sixty some families. So it was a small community that I could get very close to and get to know very well and knew knew the people there, knew their problems, knew their struggles, knew their joys, knew their sorrows, knew all the dynamics in the family uh, and what people were struggling with and was able to hear their confessions and do their baptisms and weddings and funerals and celebrate daily and weekend masses for them. So I kind of like the the intimacy of the smaller places, to be honest. And uh, you get to know people much better, and they get to know you. And that was St. John Vianney. Mm -hmm. And and so we have a lot of those kinds of parishes in this archdiocese. We have the big places and the big urban places and the the happening places, as we say. And we love those, and and those are doing great work for the Lord in, in our more metropolitan areas. But we have a lot of parishes in small rural communities, and there's just a lot of beauty in that.
1: And I think, Archbishop, because there's an important need, we've got a three-year appeal for the seminarian appeal that vocations are a huge priority. I mean, we need to have strong vocations, and it can only happen through the people, through the people's investment in time, talent and treasure, as we like to say. It's so important.
2: And encouraging vocations. Yeah. We need pre- I mean, to have 29 seminarians yeah. uh, is great. But it's not enough. Mm-hmm. It is not enough. I mean, that, that, that might sound... And, and actually, we're doing better per capita than, than many other dioceses. But it's still not enough. Right. I don't have enough priests long-term to take care of all of the parishes and missions of this archdiocese. That's that's a fact. And people, you need to hear that. Mm-hmm. That's why, praise God, we have so many priests from other countries helping us out here right now. We used to send missionaries. right to other countries, to, to uh, other parts of the world that hadn't yet been evangelized, to Africa, to India, to the Philippines. Now they are, they are uh, missionaries to us mm-hmm. uh, with the, because of our, the shortage of priests that we have here. So we're so blessed with so many international priests from various countries that serve here and help us out. But that can't be sustained forever. This local church needs to take care of itself. And raise up pastors of its own. So we need to be encouraging young men to consider a priestly vocation. And here's something: we need to speak positively and beautifully about the priesthood. The priesthood has really taken some hard hits in in the last few decades. Uh, you know, the sex abuse crisis has just smeared the reputation of of the priesthood, and so many priests get you know painted with the same brush. And it's so damaged uh, the, uh, the, the honor and the love and respect that we used to hold toward the priesthood. Uh, and sometimes in, in this last year and a half has been tough with COVID and everybody's angry and, you know, speaking ill of each other. And, you know, that, that also goes to our priests. A lot of our priests have had a very hard time during this pandemic because of a lot of the criticism and the hard time that they've been given during this time. And if we're sitting around the kitchen table, bad-mouthing our pastor, bad-mouthing this priest, bad-mouthing the bishop. Our kids are hearing that. Our young men are hearing that. Our little boys are hearing that. And when they see the priests being treated sometimes so so poorly, it, it, you got to go through a young man's mind, well, why would I want to do that if, if I'm just mm-hmm. going to take nothing but criticism? Now, and in, in fairness, you know, some priests do sometimes do some pretty boneheaded things, <laughs> you know, and, and they need to be corrected as well. But there's just this culture and atmosphere right now of criticism and negativity and, and tearing down. And uh, we need to build our priests mm-hmm. up and we need more because I cannot care for you good people if I don't have enough priests. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's, it's simple as this without the eucharist without the holy eucharist without the holy sacrifice of the mass there is no church
0: mm-hmm.
2: and without the priesthood there is no mass there is no eucharist we need this was by divine plan that god in, jesus instituted his church founded on the apostles and their principal co-workers the priests we can't have the church without priests and i need them uh, so Yes, please support us and support our educational and formational efforts for them. But more importantly, pray for more priests, mm-hmm. sacrifice for more priests, and encourage young men and our boys to think about the priesthood and consider it as a beautiful and wonderful vocation for them to consider in their lives.
1: Absolutely, and I just want to call out our 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 Sarah Club that is so amazing in all the different areas of the Archdiocese of Portland, fostering good, holy vocation. So if you want to look for a way to get involved, laity, get involved with the Sarah Club at your parish or start one up. I know many members who would love to hear from you. And if you can, make it to the Vigil Mass September 25th at St. Mary's Cathedral. Have an opportunity to be there and to support our seminarians as they continue to follow the call. Archbishop, thank you so much. And we're going to continue to pray for these efforts for an outpouring of grace, but also the support that these men need to be priests here in the Archdiocese of Portland. Please help us close with your blessing. And
2: may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon all of you, your families, especially your children and young ones, and be with you this day and forever. Amen.
1: Amen. And thank you all for listening to The Voice of the Shepherd on Mater Radio. We look forward to sharing with you again next week. For Archbishop Alexander Sample, I'm Dina Marie Hale. And until our next encounter, may you have a blessed week.
0: You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you.